What's up, everybody? This is the Booch, and this shout-out goes to all of the members of the Booch Cast Nation. On behalf of the entire team and all of my affiliates, I would like to take this opportunity to thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts for your continued support of the Boochcast. Whether it's wrestling recaps, interviews, politics, variety shows, movie reviews, whatever episodes we come out with, you guys listen, you guys tune in, and you show your support. And it means the world to us. And we're going to commence with this latest episode in just a moment. But I want to take this opportunity right now to let you guys know something really huge that is going on in the world of the booch. I am now officially on Cameo. That's right. The Cameo. The same Cameo where celebrities go and give personal shout-out videos for all their fans. And I'm here to let you guys know that for the affordable price of just $25, you can get a personalized video from me on Cameo. And it can be for any occasion that you want. You got somebody you want me to wish a happy birthday? I'll make it happen. You want me to congratulate someone on graduating high school or college? I'll make it happen. Whether it's a happy holidays video, it can be a gender reveal, it can be somebody who needs some motivation, you want the boots to motivate you, or if you got somebody in your life that you want to break up with, I'll help make the breakup happen. Or if you got somebody in your life that you want to tell to fuck off and you want it done booch style. All you got to do is go to cameo.com slash booch 365. There'll be a link in the description box of every episode of the booch cast from now till the end of time. Go there, book your video, customize it however you want. Let me know how you want it done and I will make it happen for you. So go to cameo.com slash booch365 right now and book your personalized video today for the affordable price of $25. And now, on with the show. Welcome to our house! I'm not 
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to NXT TakeOver In Your House. Took place this past Sunday on the WWE Network. And, of course, joining me once again is the NXT correspondent, great friend of mine, great mind for wrestling. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. And let's just say, ladies and gentlemen, this man is the one and only, as Ricochet would say, the one and only reason. I'm probably going to watch NXT this Wednesday because I'm going to have a lot to say about this paper. You. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back the one, the only, Mr. John Tumblin. Vinny, Vinny, ladies and gentlemen, let's just start off. I'm gonna Vinny, Vinny, not to pull a Kanye here, but I'm gonna let you finish. But first, Bebe and Ding Dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> Amen to that. I cannot wait to talk about it. But of course, John, before we get into this, we do have a special guest joining us for this recap of NXT TakeOver in your house. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him as the AEW correspondent. He's also a great friend of mine, a great has a great mind for wrestling. It's always a pleasure to have him on the show. He decided to join us for this TakeOver. And of course, I got the blessing from John to have him be part of this as well. Ladies and gentlemen, also welcome back, the one and only Mr. Elvis Delinsky. All right, big round of applause for me. It's me. It's me. It's LVD. Thank you so much for having me, Benny. Absolutely, man. I'm glad that uh, you were able to join us. And um, I know, like John said, Ding Dong the Witch is dead. We got the baby going on. But speaking of babies, what's great about this is we have this NXT TakeOver in your house. And what's interestingly enough about this, before we get into the whole pay-per-view, was the fact that they really used this show to take you back to the days of when In Your House was a regular thing in WWE. Yeah, they did. They were doing the infomercials. They were doing the uh, the uh, very obvious uh, product placement of those those uh, ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> um, they had the one guy joke about like, oh, is uh, is the one nine hundred number no no longer a thing? No, 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 that's it. Okay, well, since the one nine hundred number no longer a thing, you know what I mean? Like it was it was a really really good joke all night. I I liked it. I did too. And also- we had we. we we had top keggy gill, dude. Seriously. Um, John, I know you haven't, uh, I know you weren't always like a lifelong fan of, um, you know, wrestling. Um, you got into it like, you know, what is it, five, six, seven years, right? Five years ago, yeah. So five years ago. So me growing up within your house, it was fantastic. And Todd Pettingill, I totally forgot about him. And then watching on my TV screen, I'm like, oh my God, it's fucking him. I cannot believe I saw him on my screen. It was fantastic. His suit was weird. He was weird. I remember him being weird as a kid. So I was like, yeah, this is awesome. It was a great way to start off that whole nostalgic. It, it tickled my brain for nostalgia. So it was fantastic right off the get. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, Todd, he used to work as a backstage interviewer for you know the WWF back in the day. Uh, right now, currently, he's uh, he works in radio. He recently worked for a not WPLJ in the New York area, so that's how he makes his living now. Uh, but he was amazing. I'm glad that they brought him back for this event. I think he's lost weight, which I think is why the suit was different. So I have a theory that's probably well, I why. Think the choice, I think the choice of the suit was nostalgic, too. It, it, it didn't look like a modern suit because, you know, you always look at, um, so let's say, for instance, when you look at the NBA draft, right? So if you go from the class from 1990 and keep going every five, years those suit choices are really horrible horribly bad i think he chose that suit on, on purpose just to make it look like it's an old retro type type style to get the theme for the pay-per-view yeah i mean either way either way it worked out i definitely enjoyed it and um ladies and gentlemen on that note we will definitely kick in with this match of course 
Code Orange performs their song Underneath, which you heard at the beginning of this as the intro song for this portion of the Boochcast. And we kick things off with the six-woman tag team match. Shotzi Blackheart, Tegan Knox, and Mia Yim versus Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Candice LeRae. This match, I'll be honest, this was the one I was least excited for. Um, it was just to me like a match they threw on the card to have six matches where I would normally take overs or five. Um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't really care for this one. Um, it, it was fine. This one, this one to me was a raw pay-per-view filler match to get us to the next thing. And I know that's going to sound mean. Of course, uh, eventually Candice LeRae and Mia Yim start fighting out of the ring, and then it just becomes a uh, a two-on-two match. And, and, and I don't know. I uh, like I said, I didn't like it very much. Some things happened, and uh, let let's get what you guys think because I don't know. I'm not super high on it. Elvis, how'd you feel? Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think it was more filler, and the thing is, um, sometimes you kind of need that. I mean, every wrestling promotion has filler. AEW has the same thing too, where they have just some uh, story matches to put some people on a card just to have them showcase on TV just to show, hey, we're here. Um, was it something that they're gonna make a hang their head on five years from now? No, it was just something to get everybody together, um, show the faces, show the and um, didn't really continue on any storyline. Not really. At the same time, it was there to kind of get you. So this is a starter. That's fine. It was like the pre-show, right? So some people don't really tune into it. So if you missed it, you're not really missing much. So it's fine. It's okay. It was okay, match. It wasn't anything spectacular. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it was. And and the thing is, like, I'm all for filler matches, but to me, a filler match should be used to fill in a moment between, like, like after you had this amazing kick-ass show-stealing match, you throw a filler in there to kind of cool everyone down. This was just the this was the opening match of the show. Therefore, it, it it to me the boringness of this match and the fact that everything there was so much stuff in there that was mistimed. It's like everybody was waiting to finish their spots. It felt like I was watching. I didn't feel like I was watching a match. I felt like I was watching a class. And I think that's the meanest thing I could say. And I mean, I mean it, Vinny, I see where you're coming from there. I do. Uh, and I completely agree with you. There were spots where you're, where they just sort of stood there waiting for the next cue. I don't know. Yeah, and the thing is, um, and the best, and I will say that the boringness of this match set the tone for the rest of the show. And I'm going to elaborate more on that throughout the show because let's just say I texted John after the show went off the air and I said, I'm going to have a lot of shit to say. And believe me, I will. But I'm just going to say, this already set the tone for what was to come. This That's all. That's the best I can describe the overall feeling of this match. And on that note, we will move on to the next match of the evening. We had Damian Priest versus Finn Balor. This match... I honestly did enjoy. I thought these guys went out there. Was the feud built up very well? Well, no. I didn't care about the feud. What I wanted to see more in this match was Ben Balor versus Damian Priest because I like both of these guys. I think they're both amazing workers. Um, so because the feud wasn't built up well enough, that probably pulled me outside of the immersion of the match. But my my love as a fan of NXT 
NXT and of wrestling in general, that's what pulled me back in to see these guys. And I'll tell you what, at least this one, I was not disappointed. Um, Damian Priest took that really, really rough-looking bump on the, uh, the the steel steps where he sort of fell into it. Um, I, I'm not really a fan of Finn Balor being like heel, 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 and now all of a sudden because Damian Priest attacked him, he switches back to face, so now he can use the coup de grace again. Um, but I guess that's, uh, I guess we can discuss that. But uh, either way, I I still very much enjoyed this one, and Finn Balor ends up picking it up. Elvis, how would you feel about it? Um, is the Razor's Edge typically used on NXT TV? Uh, sometimes, not often. Okay, because I've never really, I haven't seen it in years, and done well too. I thought it was really good. Um, I thought Damon Priest broke his back. Um, I was waiting for reports this morning on the on a dirt sheet to kind of tell me, oh yeah, Damon, you know, Damon Priest um, is uh, no longer walking. He's no longer with us. But no, uh, he took a nasty bump, like John said. Um, I thought these guys really brought it. These two were fantastic. Damon Priest is really, I think this is probably his best match, I think, in NXT TV. Am I, am I correct? Um, I think it's, as far as one-on-one matches, yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think it was his best showing out there. I think his gear was pretty cool, too. I mean, that's a something he wears all the time not really right no no that was uh that was takeover special gear there that's that's what i thought too it was, it was pretty cool it was pretty sharp looking it really fit the character too and no man finn balor i mean he, i think he's one of the best in the world he really is um it's unfortunate what happened to him when he went over to the main roster and you know, he had some kind of success and um you know they didn't know how to use him but i'm glad that nxt decided to say hey you know what though, finn you haven't been used properly over there let's bring it back home and uh you know let's showcase what you can really do and he's been doing it you know day like week in and week out so um, I thought it was a fun match. I didn't think I'd be excited about this match, but after watching, I was like, wow, these guys are fantastic. Great chemistry together. Fantastic. Yes, the chemistry was definitely good. Um, I definitely enjoyed uh, the match and the back-and-forth action. I will say, um, as much as I liked Finn Balor, um, I felt like I felt this was I felt Damian should have won this. Honestly, I felt like they were really trying to build him up. You know, he's trying to have this gimmick where he's like, I'm going to live forever and establish a name for myself. Because even though Finn Balor wasn't treated well on the main roster, in NXT, he's already considered like a, a star, like an icon. So, and he had already been winning great matches back to back since coming in. And obviously, his feud with Walter has been put on the back burner because of the whole pandemic and everything. So, I felt like Damian Priest needed this win more than Finn Balor did. You know, I felt like this is an opportunity to really... I felt like Damian needed this. So I was disappointed. I, 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 I hate to say it, but I have to disagree. I think that, uh, I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, um, Damian Priest lost anything during his match. I mean, he went against, he went toe-to-toe with Finn Balor. I think he came out looking better, I mean, given that he took a loss. But basically, for his matches where sometimes you can just take an L and still look like a million dollars. And I think Damian Priest is just that. So, um, being lost for Finn Balor and NXT Finn Balor, for that matter, um, it's a good loss. And it made him shine, like I said before, it's one of his better matches he's had on television so far. So I think it's pretty, I mean, I think it was spot on. Um, maybe to make him build him up more, he could have taken a loss. But a loss to Finn Balor is not really a loss, I guess, in NXT term. I mean, I can see your point there. I just felt like he, I felt like he needed the win more than Balor did, though. I don't think Balor needed to win this. There was no, it wasn't a must win for him. Like, him against Walter for the UK title, that's a must win. Him against Damian Priest is not a must win. It would establish Damian Priest as more of a badass heel going forward. That's that's my only complaint outside of everything gotcha. else. I, I, enjoy. I, guess I, I, I guess I can see it that way too. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the North American Championship. Keith Lee defends the title against Johnny Gargano. 
Okay. Uh, this one, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna I'm gonna use what Rhiannon said last night when she was watching with me about the first. I would say half of this match she was watching and she was like, you know, I don't know what it is. She said, but it looks to me like Keith Lee is carrying this match for Gargano. And I wasn't quite getting that sentiment. But then I kind of sat there and I started watching. Like, I mean, obviously, I was already watching. But I, I paid more attention to Gargano after Rian made the comment. And I'm sitting there watching this match play out. Keith Lee's doing this. Keith Lee's doing that. Uh, Gargano is, you know, he's he's getting some offense in. But at the same time, a lot of it's not, not, not you know, not taken because Keith Lee's a big man. And, you know, by the time we got closer to the end of the match, I... Uh, um, I want to say I agree with Rhiannon in, in her in her view on this match. I think Gargano was 85% Johnny Gargano, and Keith Lee had to be uh, had to be basically carry the rest of it because he was doing the heavy lifting in this match. And I really do think that it showed when you look at the match as a whole. But either way, Keith Lee retains. Um, I also didn't think they would do that because I think Keith Lee is ready to to go to Raw or SmackDown because Lord knows SmackDown needs some stars. But Keith Lee retains, and he's still in NXT. Elvis, how do you feel about it? Um, I kind of had a different backdrop on it when it came to it. I was thinking, like, did you see, like, Keith Lee was out? Don't wrong, he was leading the match. I mean, you guys can definitely say that, though, but I guess watching the match, it wasn't quite the level of Keith Lee as I was expecting, you know? It was kind of weird. It was a different kind of Keith Lee match. It wasn't like your traditional high-spirited, you know, fun Keith Lee match. It was, it, I mean, did this seem weird to you the way he was wrestling that night? Um, I won't say he was off. I want to say he was doing his best to sell the fact that he got some keys shoved in his eye on last week's episode, and he got his fingers smashed in the steel steps. Like, I think if he was off, I really do believe Keith Lee is a, like, a top-tier, like, talent, and I I would think that Keith Lee knows how to sell that. But okay. I, I could just be giving him way too much credit, but I that's what I truly think. I mean, I think he was off, like, but match was sloppy, because I really wasn't, though. You know, Johnny Gargano doing, like, the chicken shit, you know, heel stuff. I mean, that's just healing 101. And it just, I think it's the worst kind of healing there is. It kind of sucks. Don't get me wrong, it does. Um, but it just seems like, I'm not sure. It, just, it was something weird about Keith Lee where, um, it didn't seem like his enthusiastic, like, you know, when you, when you come out there and you bask in his glory and, you know, all that fun stuff that he does, it just wasn't like the same Keith Lee. It almost seemed like, I don't know, his mom was somewhere else or something. I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird. Did he wrestle? Did he do a fantastic job and carry to match with Johnny Gargano? Uh, to Rihanna's point, probably. But at the same time, it just felt weird. It just kind of felt like, why? Right, what was Keith Lee at time? Because his head wasn't in it. It just felt kind of weird. Yeah, this... This match was very awkward, and I felt like it was... It was weird because I felt like I was watching... A, um, it's ironic that... You, it's actually ironic that you guys say about Keith Lee being ready to go to Raw or SmackDown because this match felt like a Raw or SmackDown. It didn't have an NX... This, I didn't feel like I was watching a TakeOver match when I saw this. I felt like they were... They were going... They, I mean, I liked some of the psychology in it, but I felt like for a TakeOver, it was a bit too much... It was a bit like they leaned too much to the comedy side... For an NX, it was like which which normally like on a on a main roster pay per view would not be that big a deal. But when you're watching an NXT takeover, which is supposed to be you know all business, all badass, it just it felt like it was out of its element. They tried to bring a main roster element style match into NXT, and it kind of didn't mesh well. Is how I looked at it. And also, there was one spot in the match that it looked good, but also I have to question why the hell they did it. 
was when Keith Lee pounced Gargano through the plexiglass. I had it. I, I know that's supposed to be a holy shit kind of moment, but I feel like what when they did that, like the whole purpose of those guys being out there is that like that audience, that's NXT trainees. Those are guys who are still training in the performance center who haven't even made it to TV yet. They have some people like Bianca Belair that are on TV because at a takeover they have usually big name stars from the main from the main roster in the audience. So it made sense to have some of them sprinkled in there for a takeover. But you're supposed to create the illusion that that's an audience. And the whole purpose of that glass is the social distancing and the corona stuff. So if you're having a spot like that where they're going to send somebody into the crowd like that, even though it's all a work and they're all in on it, you know, that's something you can't do when you get an actual audience in there. Otherwise, the government could shut that whole thing down. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's something I would stay very clear of in the future. I was not, I looked at that and I was like, y'all are gonna, they're going to fuck themselves with that, with a spot like that. Uh, uh, my biggest, I don't, sorry, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, no, I, uh, go ahead. My biggest complaint about that spot was I expect more out of Johnny Gargano and maybe I am just, maybe I'm just the old crotchety man here um, or maybe I just expect better out of the NXT product than I do Raw or SmackDown because I do. I, I expect things to look cleaner, more visceral, and just better on NXT because they always, always, actually almost always do it better. This spot where Keith Lee hit Johnny Gargano through the plexiglass looked like trash. Okay. I I literally, will, I looked at it and I'm like, that was straight out of an episode of Raw or an episode, not even a pay-per-view, an episode of Raw or SmackDown and it looked like garbage. I was, I was really, really uh, disappointed in that spot, very much so. Yeah. And... With all, and with all due respect to Keith Lee, I felt like this was an opportunity to really pull the trigger with the Gargano way and what they've been building. And instead, they put the, instead they let Keith Lee hold the title, which to me is like you had an opportunity to pull the trigger with Gargano and start this power couple move, but yet you have Keith Lee still with the North American title, and I have no idea why. It's like who else is who else is really left for Keith Lee to have a match with? There's like a, he's already run through like the top North American guys, unless some unless somebody else unless like he's gonna fight Roderick Strong one more time? Is the Velveteen Dream going to try to take that back? Like, who else is going to fight Keith Lee? He's run through everybody. This guy needs to drop this belt and either go for the NXT title or go to the main roster. He's done everything he can with that mid-card title at this point because there's not a lot of competition. I know who. Yeah, I do too. His I next opponent who. His next opponent is later in the show. Okay. Yeah, Karrion Cross. Yep. Alright. Well, I can see that. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. Oh boy, here we go. Uh, the for the NXT Championship in a backlot brawl, Adam Cole defends the title against the Velveteen Dream. Okay, before I get started, Vinny, I'm gonna I'm gonna put I'm gonna give you my piece on this. Go ahead. But no, no. But first, I this honestly, I don't do this often. I would like to hear what you think first because I know my opinion about the whole the whole match. Like uh, you know how I feel. I want to hear how you feel about it first because you have some strong opinions about this, and so do I. So yes, please, I insist. Go ahead. Okay, I will say there were only two moments in this match that I enjoyed, and only one of them was rest was actual wrestling related. The first thing I enjoyed was Velveteen Dream coming out of that yellow Lamborghini dressed like Negan from The Walking Dead. I popped so hard for that. 
I was marking out when I saw that because I always know Velveteen Dream is going to come out with something cool. And that was perfect for a backlot brawl. He's got the bat and everything. So I'm expecting like, oh shit, this is going to be a fight. The only other thing I enjoyed was the bump Adam Cole took off the ladder onto the, onto the car. That's about it. The rest of this was just, I mean, it, it was fun in some cases, but most of the time they were, the, the chemistry was off. I felt I, the Undisputed Era coming out was goddamn ridiculous, but then Dexter Loomis showing up was good. But all of this meant nothing because Adam Cole is still the NXT champion, and it pisses me off because I am, I am, John, I have mentioned this so many times. I've said it so many times on this show. I've said it so many times while you and I sat on a couch and watched TakeOver together. I've said it till I'm blue in the face. But I am sick to death of NXT. I am sick of I am sick of Triple H. I am sick of Shawn Michaels. I am sick of Road Dog. I am sick of everyone involved in booking and management sleeping on the Velveteen Dream. It bothers me to no end. He is, without a shadow of a doubt, the most talented guy on this roster. Yes, Adam Cole has been an Iron Man. I give him all the credit in the world for the shit that he has done. But when it comes to in-ring wrestling, when it comes to charisma, goddammit, when it comes to psychology, Velveteen Dream encompasses it all. This is the man. This is the guy. This is your top dog right here. The fact that this man has not been NXT champion by now is a travesty to the entire brand. I said this when he lost to, I think it was Tommaso Ciampa. I freaking, I, 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 could, I, I couldn't figure it out. And Adam Cole is already the longest reigning NXT champion. Him and the Undisputed Era have run rough shot all over this goddamn roster. And I already know Adam Cole has already re-signed with WWE and he's staying. Despite the fact that so many people thought he was going to AEW and wanted him to go to AEW. But we already talked about that in part two. Why we didn't want him to go. But the point is... WWE is going is, is doing something they should not be doing. They're making a very fatal mistake. They are about to make Adam Cole stale. They're about to get to a point where the public is going to get tired of him. They're going to. Because just like anything else in wrestling, when your title reign is too long, fans get sick of it because you you end up recycling old feuds because you got to know who you're going to face next. That's why a lot of times when guys get beat by part-timers, my first thought, my first reaction is, who else? They beat everybody. It's like, who's going to, like, do we have to bring somebody in from Raw and SmackDown and transfer them to NXT to beat Adam Cole? Is that what it's going to take? Do we need, do we need a Braun Strowman or a Roman Reigns or a goddamn Drew McIntyre to come back? What is it going to take? You've had Adam Cole run through the entire NXT. The Undisputed Era has held all the gold. And yes, for a period of time, they, the, the prophecy was fulfilled. I loved it. They were building themselves up so well. This was the time. This was the moment for Adam Cole to pass it. I know it's not his fault. He ain't in the booking committee, but I'm talking from this perspective. It was time for Adam Cole to drop the title. Now you got a situation where Velveteen Dream can't even fight for that championship anymore until Adam Cole loses that title. And I have no idea when the hell he's going to lose it. Or who he's gonna lose it to? Who else is left? Again, uh, I mean, is it gonna be is it gonna be Karrion Cross? Is Johnny Gargano gonna take it? Is 
Are they going to bring somebody else in? Like, are they, do they have a new signee in a corner somewhere that they're waiting to bring back? It's It bothers me so much, John, that they're sleeping on this guy. This is the most talented guy you got, bar none. And you have this backlot brawl that was amazing. You know, you had the backup from Dexter Loomis. You had the Undisputed Era come out. They all got rid of him. They had a mo- they had the moment with the with the the, the dream the Dream Valley driver that he does that elbow drop while he's sitting on the chair. That should have been the damn finish right there. But instead, they do that friggin' sunset flip, Panama sunrise, mountain of steel chair crap. One, two, three, and Cole's still the champion. So it is. I, I can't take it, John. I don't get it. Maybe somebody else needs to explain this to me. But I'm so angry. I'm so angry. I got this. I can tell this. Go ahead, man. I can, go ahead. I can, feed, I can feed you my little bird. It's okay. I'll, I'll feed you. Here we go. First of all, the man that's going to be Evan Cole is obviously going to be the Repo Man. Obviously. <laughs> Repo Man's going to come out of retirement. to come out there and take the title off Adam Cole. One, two, three. Undisputed arrow's over. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, Vinny. Vinny, Vinny, Vinny. Listen, first of all, I know you're upset because you feel that it's his time to lose the championship because... You have certain predictions, you have certain hopes and aspirations the way wrestling programming should be, and that's the fault of every wrestling fan. Trust me, I've fallen into this trap many, many times. Cesaro's still not champion, so guess what? I'm still pissed. But you know what? I'm over it. And, uh, you have to keep in mind, wrestling does not revolve around you and what your thoughts and your beliefs are. No matter how much you want to believe in it, believe it or not, they might have a different plan to where it's going to happen. Um, so it's unfortunate that your hopes and plans, your aspirations for what you felt Adam Cole's character should have been on, although Admirably, you brought a very good point about where he should have been, what's the next step. But I think just moments ago when we talked about it, who the next opponents are, these are my lateral moves, or these are my moves that's going to happen. Karrion Cross is going to take the belt off Keith Lee. Keith Lee's going to sit there and take the belt off Adam Cole. Adam Cole's going to be bumped to SmackDown or Raw. That's the order it's going to happen. So if you need an explanation of how it's going to happen, those are my thoughts. Now, if it happens, amazing. If not, that's just the foreseeable future, the way I see NXT being held in the next couple months. And i that's an actual reality of, you know, if it was to happen, I think everybody from NXT world, um, the fans, everybody else would rejoice in having Keith Lee being your champion and Cole leaving NXT and carrying Cross um, carrying the North American Championship. Now, in this match, I think you felt to mention about this off-cinematic screen that we had on it. Now, was it anywhere close to the funhouse bomb that Bray Wyatt had? Was anything close to the Undertaker's match versus the AG Styles? No. But I think the camera angles are pretty awesome. Um, it was a whole different feel, the camera angles, the lighting, um, it being in a back lot brawl. I mean, I just thought they were going to fight like, you know, tooth and, you know what I'm saying? I thought they were going to fight just with like their kicks and their shins and their punches. That's what I thought it was. Having a ring up there and Adam Cole come out in that big ass fucking truck with the undisputed arrow like slapped to the side of a John. Would you, would you drive that truck? Uh, no, I'm not a, I'm not a truck guy. Um, I would, I would what much rather. Now, at the same time, I'm not an Italian car guy either, but, uh, I would slap some, uh, I would slap some shock the system on that yellow Lamborghini. I would, I'd rock I that. I bet. Well, I'd tell you what though, if there was a raffle to win that truck from the undisputed error, and if you're to win it, you drive it around, am I right? Hundo percent. Hundo percent. Hundo percent. Hundo percent. So, let's just break down the engines. First of all, the cinematic scene from this match itself, I thought was fantastic. Um, just first and foremost, I thought it was fantastic because it had a different kind of feel, a different kind of look. Now, did we get to see like a little backstage behind a curtain time thing? We saw people actually holding light with the headlights from the car. It was kind of distracting a little bit, given that. But still, I had a, like, I love it when WWE tries new things. So with Undertaker.
Undertaker's match with the Bray Wyatt thing. That thing was pretty amazing. It, it keeps the mixed reviews. I, for one, liked it because they're experimenting new things. And if you're experimenting new things, why not start with the two best talented people you have in your roster, one being in the Velveteen Dream. Now, Whitney, to your cause, you are right. He is underutilized, and he is great potential, and he has a lot of upside to him. Um, I know we talked about last week about him having some troubles with some postings and everything else, and maybe kind of with them. Maybe they're just waiting for that to blow over until they make a champion. So your timetable and WWE's timetable, they're playing it safe because if something comes out of it, they're NXT champion. The first thing I need is going to say, Velveteen Dream, NXT champion, is in some kind of allegation. We don't need that. So as, as much talented as he is, whatever thing is going on, it might blow over. Maybe he may not. But at the same time, now's not the time. But I think the match itself is pretty cool. They don't know a bunch of high to go seek. You know, hey, where are you, Adam Cole? Trying to hide behind doors and getting sprayed in the face with a fire extinguisher. It was kind of weird. I mean, it was it was different. And the thing is, I had to applaud WWE and stuff going the routine route of, you know, performing in front of like 10 or 15 people in the ring. They had their whole cinematic thing. So they had a whole plan because they're both superstars. We call it do with true superstars. AJ Styles Undertaker did it. John Cena and you had Bray Wyatt who did it. And they took a chance, they rolled the dice on Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole. And I think they knocked that out of the park, boys. I mean, all honest. Okay. Wow. John, how'd you wow. feel about this? Well, I'm glad you guys went first. Because my take on it is a little bit of any and a little bit of Elvis. I'll start from the top. First, I thought the cinematography, or just generally uh, the way that this was filmed, was well done. I liked the entrances of the Lamborghini and the big truck. I appreciated the difference. Um, while I think it somewhat should have been reversed because uh, the Velveteen Dream is a very large, tall man, him in a big truck and Adam Cole in a uh, you know three hundred thousand dollar Lamborghini honestly seems like it would have fit better. You know, one's the NXT champion and one isn't. You know, but who am I? Yeah. <laughs> But beyond that, we get into a little bit of continuity here from the beginning. And I don't know if you guys would both agree with this, but you're going into a, a like essentially a backyard lot brawl. Uh, if you were Adam Cole, why do you not just start the match with all four members, or all three, four members of the Undisputed Air in the ring? It's a no DQ match. Uh, no rules. The referee even says when the thing starts, I am only here to, uh, to basically like pinfall or submission. Everything else, I don't care. Why wasn't the whole of the Undisputed Era there from the very beginning? Oh. That's a good I mean, question. I mean, uh, I... I like heels. I also like when I play stuff like D and D. I'm. A, I like to play. Um, I like to play the bad guy. If I'm playing the bad guy, which Adam Cole is, he's the heel at this point. Sorry, but uh, there are no rules. I'm taking every single advantage I can get. Anyway, beyond that, um, I thought there. I thought there could have been more bumps. But I do appreciate the bumps that were taken were safe because I know falling off of that ladder onto a windshield did not feel good. No. Um, I know that the Velveteen Dream being shoved into a pole, you know, and then essentially a Canadian destroyer on top of a, a mountain of chairs. I understand all of that did not feel good in any way. But if I, if you build this as a backyard brawl, I want a little bit more street fighting, a little bit more bumps. Now, we have to keep the safety of those two guys at, you know, at the highest priority. I get it. But I just think they could have gone a little bit further with it. Um, but that being said, we'll deal with the elephant here, or uh, we won't bury the lead. Try not to. Adam Cole, baby, still the NXT champion. Um, as I said when I started this, I half agree with Vinny. I half agree with Elvis. Vinny, I agree 
that the Velveteen Dream should be NXT champion right now. I do. I love Adam Cole. I'm glad that he's the NXT champion still. Should have went to him. Elvis, I agree that the reason Velveteen Dream does not have the belt around his waist right now is because of alleged allegations. Probably, more or less, probably aren't true. But like Elvis said, you don't want to strap the belt on him and then three weeks later you find out he's texting underage girls. It's crappy. It really is the day and age we live in. Um, I'm giving Velveteen Dream the benefit of the doubt here, so I think that he should be the champion right now. The only other thought process I have as to why the Velveteen Dream did not take this is because as cool as that taped match was, I think they are waiting until they can pack an arena for Adam Cole to lose the belt. That is what I think. Yeah. That could very well be the thing. And um, I got to say this, one last thing, I hate to cut you guys off, but um, Dexter Loomis was a highlight for me. I, I know, um, I'm not sure if you guys feel uh, the same way I do. I love his character. I love, like, as soon as he, like, popped in the camera, like, creepy-looking face with a blonde hair and a mustache, I'm like, oh, he's here. Oh, he's taking out the trash. All right, it's off, man. Don't get wrong. I love Roderick Strong. I love uh, Kyle, I'm talking about it was there, but Bobby Fish. You know, we put him in that trunk and drove away, I'm like, Oh, Dexter Loomis, where have you been my whole life? This guy is freaking amazing. Oh, we've we talked about Dexter Loomis a few times. In fact, the first two weeks, I called him Dexter Exotic because in, mm-hmm. in the face, he has... Because even though he has every, obviously different body, look at his face, he kind of looks like Joe Exotic, the Tiger King. Is that kind of a Tiger King face? So I was calling him Dexter Exotic for like the first two weeks, and then John begged me to stop, so I did. <laughs> Loving him, and I, I think like if they continue on with this whole painting thing, whatever, it could really take traction. And then, I mean, you guys could—I mean, I've been wrong in the past before, but I hope they have more things of segments where he just draws things out and has like little Easter eggs of things he's going to do in the future. I kind of hope that's the kind of narrative they're going to put present going forward. Cause I think that'd be pretty cool, right? Um, you know, um, him painting a picture, having little Easter eggs of what his next attack's going to be, like in plain sight. But if you don't look for it, it's not going to be there. I kind of hope that's direct to go with it because I think he's such an intriguing character and him having that presence there because Undisputed is fantastic. Um, you know, though the Team Dream had nobody so having him there by his by side just kind of like have a little interruption and kind of like even the odds a little bit was fantastic. Okay, I can agree with that and uh, I definitely love Dexter Loomis and on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We had Karrion Cross with Scarlet versus Tommaso Ciampa. Oh, yeah, okay, all right. Um, Entrance too long for someone that I don't care about yet, so uh, that I didn't like, Um, but I still thought the entrance was cool. Um, The actual match. uh, I don't appreciate the fact that Karrion Cross. Okay, I I won't say that he no-sold a lot, but he recovered very quickly from a lot of Ciampa's moves. And I understand that every match Karrion Cross has had, they've all been squashes, and this one obviously wasn't a squash. So Ciampa getting any offense in was good. At the same time, I felt like this match kind of made Ciampa, for the most part, look like a chump. And Ciampa is one of the best, one of the best wrestlers, in my opinion, in the whole freaking world. So making him look 
even remotely like a chump, I don't appreciate. That being said, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that being said, I don't dig carrying crosses the way that he is a heel. Um, the whole like bug eye staring at you crap and the quasi no selling to then just beat you up. Uh, I don't appreciate it. I think it's stupid. And if you need any comparison. You are literally in the ring with somebody who can get uh, 20 plus thousand people to boo him, and he didn't even have freaking entrance music. He didn't need to stare at you in a weird way. He didn't need to call you names. He just needed to walk to the ring and just do it slowly, and everybody hated him. With the every fiber of their being, they hated Tommaso Ciampa. That is how you be a heel, not the way he's doing it. And, of course, Ciampa loses here. My, my only positive here is Ciampa didn't tap out. He went to sleep. So Ciampa doesn't lose as much as if he got pinned or submitted. Um, WWE must really, really want to push Karrion Cross to something because you don't just show up for your first takeover and beat someone in the caliber of Tommaso Ciampa. Alright, I'm all done now. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. Okay. Elvis, yeah. your thoughts? No, I have, to, I have to concur with John. Um, Ciampa has been a staple of takeover. I mean, there's two people I think about when I think about takeover. Uh, Giant takeover and, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, um, Ciampa. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time I think about that, I'm going on. I mean, Adam Cole's up there too when it comes to, like, you know, the war games and everything else. And I think there's staples of the pay-per-views and the fact that both these both these uh, superstars who presented whatever match they decided to put on that night, I thought they both, I think they both phoned it in. I'm not sure it was so much Ciampa because he really tried. But the thing is, Ciampa was made like, like imagine like Stone Cold Steve Austin losing to like, you know, a new up-and-coming just for no reason. Um, that makes no sense. He is money on the table. He is like, John said, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. And the fact that he went down in seven minutes to Karrion Cross, don't get me wrong, Karrion Cross, he's a formidable foe. He is. He's got a bright future. I hope he doesn't follow the Mark Merrow uh, route where, um, you know, uh, Charlotte Bordeaux is going to be, like, you know, bigger than him. I don't think it's going to be the case. But you're going you're gonna to lay him out the pasture with a new and upcoming guy. He didn't have to be that way. I think Karrion Cross could have had a, a money match with um, Ciampa to where he didn't look like he was so, like, like Ciampa was like a chump. He did. I've never seen that in, like, you know, as, maybe at least you know, when we first started off, maybe. But when, like, you know, NXT pay-per-views and when John, you know, when um, John says it's a takeover quality, he holds it a high regard. And this one was not. Maybe because of the tagline um, in your house or something. But at the same time, let no less, you don't put Ciampa in that position where you bring him down. What did he do? Did he piss somebody off backstage? Maybe Triple H or something? Because uh, it's un- it's, you don't see this kind of unorthodox wrestling when it comes to Johnny Gargano and for Chocolate. They were both off tonight. It was it was like almost the entire like, hey, let's, we're going to phone it in tonight because it's just not, not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, it's weird. Chocolate is supposed to be a top tier, um, you know, He's supposed to be the guy, pretty much. And he made it like a chump because of Kieran Cross. It's weird. That must have been a big decision because I don't think it would have been a Triple H at all. Well, usually in a situation like this, when they are doing something like this on NXT, it's usually for one of two things. Either A, they're calling somebody up, or B, they want to build a monster and they're putting somebody in the ring that they trust will make him look good. 
Sometimes there's a trust factor in that too. And Tommaso Ciampa has been a dependable guy for that locker room. So there's a possibility that Triple H is like, I want to build this carrying cross as a monster. Who can I put him in there to make a statement, but will also make the match look good? He probably went with Tommaso. Or they're or they're thinking about calling him up to the roster because here's the thing. Tommaso Ciampa, with the exception of the North American title, he's held the other two belts already. He's been NXT champion, and him and Gargano were tag team champs. So, Tommaso, there's really not a lot left for him to do in NXT. Really. From a title stand, from a championship standpoint. So, they might be thinking it might be time to bring him up. Because usually, when someone loses a match like this in NXT, when they're when they're doing the honor, doing the job, it usually means they're on the way out. Because that's been the, it's not only the time honor tradition in NXT, it's that way in wrestling in general. When you're leaving the company, or, or in the cases back then, the territory, you did the honors once on the way out so that they could build their next star while you move on to greener pastures even though some people say the main roster is not greener pastures that's the best expression i can come up with so that might be what they're doing i don't know i do know that if they are if tomaso is getting called up this is a reasonable way to get him out of here because him and gargano pretty much can't cross paths anymore so like triple h said after their match this is done or both of you are out. Both of you will be gone from NXT if you can't get away from each other, or if you continue to argue with each other. So they can't cross paths, and they're two of the top guys in that company. And there's only so many people that they can work with before inevitably they gotta circle back to each other. So I was of the belief that one of them had to go. John and I talked about this over and over again. That I felt their match, their final battle, should have been a loser leaves NXT match. The loser should have been gone. When when Gargano won that match, Ciampa should have already been out the door and sent to Raw or SmackDown, preferably SmackDown, because they got nobody over there. So my guess is that's where Ciampa could be going, either that or or they just wanted him to make Karrion Cross look good because Karrion is the new guy coming in. They're already investing a lot of time in him. And also, because he has that long entrance that I know John hates, I love it because it's different, and I love the way Scarlet is presented in that. So they're they so the guy's debuting. The guy debuting, especially when you want to build a monster, the monster can't lose his first takeover match. It just can't happen. It ain't it don't work that way. Now the match definitely should have been longer than seven minutes because that's just takeover standards very rarely do they have matches that short but really the only negative thing i had to say about carrying cross the one thing that really bothers me is that spot with the two-hand choke slam where champa hits the ring apron because you notice what part of the body does champa grab his neck. his neck what did the man come back from neck surgery this is the type of shit that makes me go, what the fuck? Like, was that a, if that was a planned spot, like if Ciampa said, you're going to do it this way, he's out of his fucking mind. If that wasn't a planned spot, then Karrion needs to stop being goddamn sloppy. So I don't know if Karrion was sloppy or if Ciampa was stupid for even suggesting that spot should happen. It's like, I don't understand these guys who come back from neck surgery and still want to do spots that will injure their goddamn neck. I mean, I don't get that shit. It's especially when the audience you're participating in isn't even an audience. It's your goddamn peers. The only people in there that are an audience are the musical guests. That's it. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to put my neck on the line for coworkers. For fans, maybe. Depends on the spot. Depends on who I'm in there with. And I'm sure as hell not doing a spot like that with a new guy. I'm doing that with somebody that I've worked with many, many times that's going to do it in a way where I'm not going to be fucking paralyzed. Like, that was that was the one spot where I was like, who the fuck came up with this? That's really the only part that made me so goddamn angry. 
was why are they doing this? And I want to know whose fault it is, because I want to know. Is Karrion Cross a fucking idiot, or is Ciampa a fucking idiot? Which one's the fucking idiot? For now, they're both fucking idiots, so I figure it out. But outside of that, it was like, I understood why Cross won the match, and he definitely needed to, and I definitely won't agree 100% with John. The, the choke out was perfect. Because that's, again, it that's what prevents Ciampa from looking too much like a chump. Because he didn't tap. He just got passed out. Now, if Ciampa had tapped out, I would agree with Elvis 100% that he looked like a chump. But they had to build a monster. And that's the way you do it. You know, for a second, you kind of sound like Jim Cornette. <laughs> well, I learned from the best minds. That's how I studied this thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, know, I like I'll a little bit of corny. There's, there's some parts of corny I don't agree with. But there's some things he says that do make sense. But yes. Amen. Yes. You guys could thank me for that. Oh yes. Mm, the, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. to, to quote to quote one of my favorite SNL characters, I'm so glad the bitch is gone. <laughs> And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the NXT Women's Championship. The queen of nepotism, Charlotte Flair, defends her championship against Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai. This match was the match I was least looking forward to because, as we've discussed here, I can't stand the fact that Charlotte Flair, let alone, is even in NXT. I'm sorry. I can't stand the fact Charlotte Flair is in NXT, let alone the NXT Women's Champion. So I was not looking forward to this match, but they made it the main event, and I'm going to watch it. Uh, but that being said, I was pleasantly surprised because I, I really do think that this match was the best match of the night. Um, and before before my uh, my coworker here, Mr. Vinny Bucci, uh, goes in too hard on Charlotte Flair, I would like to preface that with my feelings about it. Okay. One, I'm not happy that she was in NXT. I'm not happy she was NXT champion. That being said, I gained or she earned a lot of respect from me with this match. And I say that because regardless whether Charlotte wanted to be in NXT or not, she has been a 100% professional since she has been down there. And what I mean by that is when she is in the ring, it does not matter if it's to Rhea Ripley. It does not matter if it is to Mia Yim. It doesn't matter if it's to Shotzi Blackheart. It doesn't matter. Charlotte Flair is a true professional, and she sells, and she works with anybody in that ring. That being said, this match last night was an absolute clinic for how to be a professional in that ring. These three women sold for each other, and they wrestled. The match was clean. I absolutely loved everything about it. I will say minus Io Shirai screaming to the crowd of her co-workers too much. But beyond that little tiny nitpick, I was very happy with this match, especially when Io Shirai becomes the new NXT Women's Champion. Elvis, your thoughts? I'm going to say this with a tear in my eye. <laughs> All right. Those will get it. Um, no, man. Um, I kind of like the fact I called it. I called it before uh, last week that Charlotte was going to lose. Now, I know you guys have your qualms about Charlotte. I know Vinny had a big heart on when Charlotte lost. I mean, that's fine. It's all said and done. <laughs> I thought 
And then John brings up a good point, the fact that, you know, every time she wouldn't fight against anybody from NXT, she was very professional. Um, she had a great dance partner. Um, the Charlotte Flair experiment has ended, so uh, I'm pretty sure the lane of NXT is, you know, definitely celebrating what your well-deserved champion you guys have right now, so it's fantastic. Um, but I thought it was a well, it was a, it was a, I think it was a great match. I think it was a good idea to make the main event this uh, in your house. Um, you know, typically you would have Velvet Team Dream and um, Adam Cole highlight and showcase this whole pay-per-view, but they decided to go to living this time, and I think it was the right call. Um, this woman's championship definitely um, shadowed that match for sure, and um, it really brought a lot to the table when it came to Charlotte Flair, Shirai, and uh, Rhea Ripley. Um, a lot of crazy spots, especially the last spot we had on there. Um, and I'm surprised that these women are still sitting next day. None of them, again, I'm checking the dirt sheets. There's nothing happening on there to show that these girls are getting hurt or they're damaged or maybe the adrenaline. I'm not really sure. Uh, but at the same time, I thought they brought um, a very good um, thing. And as much as you guys don't like Charlotte Flair, I thought she brought a lot to NXT in the past couple weeks until Rhea Ripley could make her come back to NXT. Okay. That's what you got, Vinny, to that? No, no, okay. no. I'm good. No, no, it's That's fine. Your whole thing, Vinny? Seriously? Yeah, no, it's, uh, Vinny, it's cool. It's cool. Elvis and I will handle this portion of the show. Uh, Elvis, I really enjoyed your feedback there. I completely agree that in the past couple of weeks, Charlotte Flair has been a professional, and she's, she's done really well. Vinny, we're going to throw it over to you. Where are you at with this one? This there we go. There was the is. only there match... Worth watching. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this God match. Takes. Yeah, I'm going to say, this match, Um, I was a little, I, I have one question, John, Uh, for you before Shoot. I finish this. Fire away. To my knowledge, is this the first time the women have main evented a takeover? Ooh, hold on. Hold on. Let me, uh. Because I can't, because re- I, I can't remember, I, I can't remember if this is, if the women have ever main evented a takeover or not. I know they've Let stolen the show. Yeah, but yeah. I don't remember if it's ever been a main event because I think this um, might be the only time. No, no, even at War Games, the women went first. Yeah, so this to my knowledge is the first time the women have main evented a takeover. And like I said, this was the only. I would tell, like I, I remember Gator was telling me before, should I watch this entire takeover? I said the only match and moment worth watching was Io Shirai winning that championship. It that was amazing. The match was amazing. I, I still hate Charlotte Flair, but I will give credit. This match was amazing. And I like the fact that these women had chemistry, which was lacking with a lot of the guys. And everything was timed, and I thought the finish was perfect. Wow. That was, th- I mean, literally, I'm watching this. You see Charlotte's got Charlotte with the figure eight, and all of a sudden, Io Shirai with the moonsault, and then pins her one, two, three, and wins the title. And obviously, because we said before, we knew that if Charlotte lost this championship, we knew she wasn't going to be involved in the decision. We knew she was not going to get pinned, and she sure as hell wasn't tapping out. And at this point, I don't give a shit. I just want that belt off the queen of nepotism. That was all I cared about. I didn't care if EO pinned Rhea. I don't care if Rhea pinned EO. I didn't care if either one of them tapped out. I didn't give a shit. I don't care if they did a concerto on Charlotte, both pinned her at the same time, and then it was a draw between the two of them. Who the hell is going to be the champion? And there's like, or whatever. Like, I just wanted that belt off of Charlotte. So when EO won that championship, I was happy. Because also, at the last quote-unquote takeover, which technically was on NXT TV, but there were obvious reasons for that, EO Shirai won that briefcase. 
So I think originally she was next in line to win that championship down the road, but then they made that curveball, as Elvis said before, because she because apparently Rhea, they were worried that Rhea Ripley wasn't going to be able to show up because of the pandemic, so they put the belt on Charlotte. But I think originally Io was supposed to take that belt off of Rhea Ripley. I think Rhea was supposed to retain. Io was going to take the belt off of her. So I think that her being the champion is perfect. It was a great finish, and the match was great. But like I said, I I hated everything else up until that point. Now, I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed the match, even though at times I was tuning in and out because I thought the queen of nepotism was somehow going to walk out with the championship, so I, I was not on the edge of my seat for this match. I was pretty much watching it like a critic and less like a fan, but... When Io, like when Io, even when Io Shirai won the championship, I, I was actually like, wait, what just happened? I was in a state of shock, but was happy. So I, I will give credit. This main event was enjoyable. And like I said, I would tell people it was the one match worth watching because it was action-packed. It had other people with, on the edge of their seat if you love wrestling. And they got the, the right person got the win. There was a perfect, there was a great finish. So they they made this the main event and it made sense because it was the one match that was done right. And what was, in my opinion, overall, the worst of all the takeovers is this. And I don't think any, and if anyone disagrees with me on that, feel free to do so. But I think when you match this up to every other takeover, this is the worst takeover ever. And I feel like if they had done some of the things that I was saying before, like had the fight pit match between Matt Riddle and Thatcher been on this show, it would have made the overall show a lot better. If the Drake Maverick Phantasma match was on there and they had that ending moment with Triple H giving him the contract, or even better, if Maverick actually won the belt at this takeover, it would have been more memorable. Memorable, but they, like I said, they 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 sacrifice the quality of this takeover to try to get ratings bumps and fail miserably. And because of that, this overall takeover was terrible. But this match and Io Shirai winning saved it. I uh, I cannot say with full confidence that this was the worst takeover ever. Okay. But I can say with full confidence this is the worst takeover that I've ever seen because I have not seen every single takeover. Um, obviously the ones before I started watching. I honestly um, I have gone back and I've watched like the big ones like Takeover Brooklyn, you know, with um, uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've gone back and I've watched like the essentially like what, what NXT fans would consider like the Hall of Fame of, of 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 takeovers. I've gone back to watch those, but I have not sat there and gone through the whole library. But this is the worst takeover I've ever seen, and uh, that makes me sad it because does. I hold I hold a lot of uh, regard. I hold a lot of esteem for my product my nxt and this was not a good showing for them and i you know i'm disappointed i, yeah. I, I really am i don't know elvis how'd you feel about well, the overall well, show well don't get too hard there john um i think during this pandemic i think we have to learn how to balance the curve when it comes to getting pitched views now well, AEW just had a pay-per-view not so long, not, not so long ago. Not saying it was the best, it wasn't the worst either. Um, but the one where we had fans in, involved and um, the whole feel of the two now, this one kind of felt like the breath was sucked out of, of, a, of a takeover because uh, have you guys had a takeover since the pandemic started? Originally, the last takeover was Tampa Bay, but they, they flat out canceled that because the corona, when the coronavirus started and then they just aired the matches on NXT every week. But they would put the Tampa Bay logo on the Titantron to kind of let the audience know this is a takeover style match and even those matches were good even without fans there 
they still put on takeover level matches and still had a good takeover level feel. Now, granted, I didn't enjoy the latter match with the women as much because I honestly felt whoever won that match was going to get fed to Charlotte, but the rest of the matches, I thoroughly enjoyed. And I thought that if they were all together on a takeover show and in front of an audience... It would have blew the roof off the place. So I had, I was able to gauge it a lot better. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put an asterisk next to this um, takeover, only because it's in your house. I think they marketed it so well. The fact that you can look back and say, okay, you had a takeover Brooklyn. You have all these different takeovers. Uh, takeover Brooklyn or uh, takeover uh, in your house would be something you can say, okay, well, very pandemic. Don't be wrong. Uh, Gargano and um, uh, Ciampa, they didn't do so well. It just seemed like you know they weren't their typical takeover stuff. But I think they could feel it too because they feel they heat up so much off the crowd. I think everybody else does too. Um, having a, a takeover that it to its hype, it's it's a tough pill to swallow. But at the same time, I think uh, realistically that I mean, like this wasn't the worst. I mean, it may have been one of the like, worst ones you guys ever seen. But you're gonna have it. Not everything's gonna be gold. Um, I wish everything AW did was gold all the time. But sometimes you have some misses. Sometimes that's the thing about wrestling. Sometimes Sometimes you have things that are amazing. You're like, oh my god, I, I can't believe I'm a fan. I'm so glad to do this and enjoy this and share with my friends. And then sometimes you're like embarrassed. You're like, oh, oh man, uh, I cannot have my girlfriend watch that. I have my wife look at this because it's horrible. So you're gonna have your hidden misses. So this takeover, like the thing is, you guys have been putting out so many consistent pay-per-views that've been gold and solid. It's, you guys put a bar so high, time, it's hard to like reach that brass ring, like to say in Vince McMahon's term, to bring that level up. And with the certain pandemics going on, um, it wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst. I was entertained. I mean, it had a couple things, some high spots. It was pretty fun. It wasn't the best, but at the same time, was, I, I enjoyed it. I would recommend somebody watch it. Um, I'm going to take Vinny's take and say just watch a women's match. I think the Finn Balor match is pretty awesome. Um, Gargano and Keith Lee could have been a little bit better. Same thing with Karrion Cross. but there was some decent matches on this card where, um, you know, I think it pays, it pays the price of submission when it comes to 9 9 9 So, um, $10 to watch a couple good matches on there, I think it's well worth it for the whole month, tell you true. I I will end my portion of this uh, this year podcast to say Elvis, I get your point there. I have built up the quality and how I feel the takeovers should be, feel how like the action in the ring. I believe you're right. I have built that up so incredibly high, and I hold it in such high regard that when you have um, when you have a pay per view that's pretty much better than eighty percent of uh, the Raw or SmackDown pay per views, but the fact that it's only better than eighty percent of them is not good enough for my oh, God. This is terrible, but like like my NX elitism and I am okay with putting an asterisk on this one because of the pandemic because I also completely agree with you I believe Ciampa and Gargano feed off the crowd and without having a real crowd I could see how they might have been off Vinny take us home man yeah I mean definitely there was a lot of uh, hits and misses on this show more misses than hits um, I can see where you know some people might enjoy the uh, the other matches on there like the Finn Balor and the Damian Priest I guess if you're if you're a Finn Balor fan you'll enjoy it that's all I'm gonna say about that but overall we we had high expectations and that tends to happen a lot it's like it's like when you're it's like if you have a team 
like in sports, and they're constantly winning every single year, and you're and they're riding high, and you got all this other stuff, and it's like day in and day out, and they're like picture perfect, and never miss, everything is on point, and then one day you have a season where everything just goes to shit. So that's kind of how I felt with this takeover. It was like these guys were. This was like five star. It's like a guy who was hitting home runs every single time, and then one day out of nowhere, he's striking out. You have no idea why. It's like the streak was over, and it's it's disappointing. It's frustrating. I'm hoping that the next takeovers will be better. I somewhat agree with Elvis about putting an asterisk because of the pandemic and everything, but I feel at the same time I feel like by now they should be used to it enough to where they can play under that or wrestle under that. I should say. I feel I, like by I, now I mean, they're they're past that point. They should be comfortable in that area. I, I kind of see where you're coming from, but, like, you got to keep in mind, um, they just finally started putting bodies in, like, the arenas just recently, so regardless, it still feels like it's co- it's coming kind of flat, and, then, like, when you have, you have direction, you have, like, um, you have people from uh, the higher-ups, so we'll call them the suits, who's pretty much barking orders, so if you're a bad guy, you have to boo. It's not organic. So I think they're still in a transition period because they, they just now, after all this time, so how long have we been in this pandemic? Just to keep it in mind. So after this whole time of being in a pandemic, they just now finally got their bearings. They finally got their legs to actually have some kind of bodies in the audience cheer to boot everything else now um they're not well coordinated just yet but i i tell you what and this is coming from aew guy the next takeover or whatever nxt pay-per-view decides to come up next i think it's gonna bring it because this is this, the bar was bought so low because of the pandemic i think your next pay-per-view your, your expectations are gonna be like okay cool so it's way better than in your house in your house is always going to be the asterisk you think about and be the baseball was it better than in your house um, yeah. This is kind of a weird situation to be in. Uh, they throw in a whole bunch of nostalgic things. They try to throw in as much as they can based on what they have. But I'll tell you what, though. Next pay-per-view, I mean, I don't think tri- uh, Papa Triple H is going to sit there and drop ball on his brand and the way the pay-per-view ended. Um, I think he's going to elevate the bar. If anything, encourage the people, even the people in the audience. They need to give them direction. Just let them be organic. If you're for Johnny Gargano, if you're for Adam Cole, cheer. If you're against them, boo. That's all it is. Okay, I can see that. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, will, of course, uh, conclude the recap of NXT TakeOver In Your House. I thank you guys so much for tuning in, and make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show, as well as great content. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. And of course, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash the Boochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, April 6th and Sunday, April 7th for WrestleMania 40. That's right. The 40th anniversary of the biggest event in all of professional wrestling and sports entertainment. And we will be doing a live stream both nights on our Twitch channel. So make sure you're following us there so you can hang out with us for the biggest wrestling event of the entire year on both nights. And of course we have our live D&D show coming soon. Our Boochcast booking battle and another special project in the works. And of course you can support the Booch 
Podcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is 99 cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We get better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. $10 per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold it to Peacock, got nowhere to put that $9.99. So $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network, and unlike the Elite, we actually care about our fans, are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with your credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment, we used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes it to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest of feed Zachariah Scott's his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.